Well, I wanted to start off today at this new series showing you some of my basketball moves. All right, that was it. Did you guys like that? <laughs> if, you, if you were busy giving, you missed it, but I'm not going to try to do it again. It's too hard. Skill level is too hard. How many of you know when uh, we have this thing inside of us that's like an innate desire to be the hero? Anybody know? Am I talking to the right crowd? You don't, you don't, have, don't, don't be ashamed. Just be honest. If any of you played sports, did any of you dream of the famous catch in the end zone, you know, touchdown, or uh, the tackle that saved the game, or how about in baseball, you're up, bases loaded, your team's down three runs, grand slam home run, and you're jogging around the bases while you're, you know, there's the teammates dumping, you know, stuff all over your head, Gatorade, and you're high-fiving you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, some of you are going... No, I'm not into sports at all. Well, you had other dreams or visions. Sometimes it's just doing the courageous thing, Um, helping people out, uh, risking your life to save, you know, the dog or the puppy or whatever. I don't know what it is. But anyway, um, when I was a kid growing up in the back of our house, we had a a nice basketball goal out there. I spent tons of time out there. And I would get my, my ball, and I'd be dribbling, and I'd be doing the countdown. Five, four, of course, it's in my head. Three, two, I got this move going on, and I do my turn away, fade away, and I shoot the ball, and I'm watching it, and about one time, whoa, there it goes, about one time out of ten, I would actually make it, but, whoa, thank you, (laughs) that was a good pass, I wasn't ready for that, one time out of ten, I would make it, and all the other nine times, you know, of course, I would make the buzzer sound, too, oh, he was fouled, (laughs) and then I would get to the free throw line. And I would remind myself, down by one, no time left on the clock. Shoot. But falls off to the side. Oh, somebody went in the lane. They get to shoot again. (laughs) And finally, after it became very non-heroic, if you had to give yourself so many do-overs, it finally became non-heroic. But for the one time out of ten that I actually shot it, nothing but net, I'd be like, whoa, whoa. You just picture people carrying you off the field, all right? Now, I think most people have done that. Kevin, you're a basketball. Have you ever done that? Just be honest. Have you ever done that? Okay. There's just something awesome about that. We want to live for the moment. We want to live for, the, for that one time in history when we could do something. And I'm t- this is just talking about shooting a ball and making it go through a hoop on the grand scheme of life. What's the big deal? But don't you admire heroic acts of courage in other people, when, whether it's some of military folks. I talked to a guy this morning, did three tours in Vietnam. I just thanked him. I, you know, that, that's, that's no small thing. What an incredible sacrifice. What a courageous thing. That's why whenever we honor our military, which I love it when we do that around here uh, on Veterans Day and others' days, when Memorial Day, um, we have all of our veterans stand and we honor them. There's something emotional and moving about that because you realize that there are things in life that are greater than life itself. And all of us want to live for something that matters. Am I talking to the right crowd? You don't want to, you don't want to die someday and they go, oh yeah, I, you know, I live for nothing. Uh, my life on the grand scheme of things amounted to nothing. You want to invest your life in something. You want to do the courageous thing. You want to stand for truth. You want to impact other people's lives. Am I talking to the right crowd? This is just the way we're wired. But here's the thing as we get into this series that I think is, is really, really exciting. Is that God actually has a greater role for us than the role of hero. And I want to show you in the weeks to come, even Jesus, we could call Jesus the hero. He certainly died a heroic death for us on the cross. But we're going to talk about next week. Jesus didn't spend his life being the hero. Jesus spent his life being the hero maker. Jesus went around doing good and blessing and healing and delivering all those oppressed by the devil and really elevating everybody around him and and being the savior of the world and the deliverer of every man and woman on the planet. He was a hero maker. What does that mean? It simply means... We have been raised to be the center of our own story. Even now, you might not consider yourself a hero. Uh, you're not thinking, well, yeah, I'm the hero. But here's the deal. If we're living as the center of, this, of the script, the center of the story, and it's all about me, then everybody, has, if I'm not being heroic or I'm not feeling celebrated or loved or appreciated, then all of a sudden I'm not happy or I got problems because I'm the center of the show. But how many of you know God wants us to move out of the center and he wants to start living for other people and giving our lives away and being a blessing to other people and actually lifting other people up and seeing them achieve heroic things. You know, I was thinking this morning, I used to really enjoy 
uh, when Johnny played for uh, a much smaller Christian school in the area, you know, the, the, the size of the school was small, the talent level was smaller, and there were people on that team that literally, if you left them in a, in a gymnasium by themselves all night long, they would not score, all right? In other words, that wasn't prob- their primary gifting, was not basketball, but they were on the team. And I loved it because Johnny and some of the other guys that were a little more gifted in sports, they would make it their goal to make sure that the kid who never scored got to score. So they, could be, they would be wide open, and instead of shooting it, they would pass it to this other little kid who's never made a bucket all year long. And when that kid finally scored, the whole crowd just erupted. It was such a beautiful picture of, you know, sometimes in life, how many moms know you can probably cook it easier and faster by yourself? You could clean it easier and faster by yourself. But you'll never train your children to cook, to clean, to fix things, whatever it is, if your mentality is, I'll just do it. I'll just be the hero. I'll just be the man. I'll just carry the load. No, part of our goal in life is watching, check this out, watching our kids do this. They fly out of the nest. Hallelujah. You don't know what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not rejoicing in that. I mean, I love my kids, and there should be like a tear that we shed when they leave. <laughs> but short tear, not long, not long tear. All right, because, <laughs> because here's why. Why do I exist as the dad? Why does Marion exist as the mom? So that we pour our lives into our children so that they can fly on their own. So that they go start their own families, so that they go out and they land their own career, their job, whatever. You get the point. Part of the, the success and what we do in life is raising other people up. In fact, I, I always appreciated my dad when he talked about spiritual fathering. He would talk about how the goal is so that we as sons could be standing on the shoulders of our fathers and that their floor would be our, our ceiling. All right, as I say that right? No, their ceiling would be our floor, the other way around. We would literally have a generational inheritance and we'd be that much farther ahead because of the way they made heroes out of us. And so here's a definition of a hero maker that I want to share with you. A hero maker is a leader who shifts from being the hero to making others the hero in God's unfolding plan of redemption. Now, on our t-shirts, we have something that's really important, and I, I want you not just to listen to the series over the next few weeks, but I want you to, to hear, a, as I lay out a blueprint of our DNA, if people ask you, you know, right after church, you go out to eat, whatever, you go to Jewel, buy some groceries, I don't know what you're going to do, whatever you're doing today, and somebody on the street says, oh, you go to that Rolling Stones place, um, <laughs> we've had that before, <laughs> um, What's that place all about? What are, what, what's that church all about? What would you say? I hope everybody would basically, at least by the time this series is over, I hope you'd all be able to give a similar set of answers. But here's a simple answer. This is what we do at Living Stones. We grow people and we multiply leaders. Say that with me. Here's what we do at Living Stones. We grow people, we multiply leaders. Now, how many of you know when you come into a place where God's presence is alive, when you eat his word, when you worship him, when you're taught well, you're loved well, you should be growing, and church should be a greenhouse. Every person that's new here will get a letter from me, and in that letter I say, living stones is a spiritual greenhouse. Because I believe that no matter how you come here, God can always take us farther. Amen? No matter how alive you are, you can be more alive. No matter how free you are, you can be more free. No matter how grounded in the word, you can be more grounded in the word. No matter how evangelistic, you can be more evangelistic. There's always more of God to get. Amen? And we should never reach a point where we're stagnant. Now, I'm not saying that we don't deal with getting stuck. Sometimes anybody ever felt stuck in your spiritual walk? Maybe some of you feel that way this morning. Or I'm not saying that you never fall into a ditch sometimes and you need to get pulled back out because sometimes that happens. But I am saying this. There should be a trajectory in our lives of spiritual growth. We go from glory to glory, grace to grace. In fact, I have a vision for a Livingstone's billboard that says something like this. Good news should never be boring. Good news should never be boring. It's a shame that many people have a conception of the church as a boring place. Growing, vibrant, alive, that should never be synonymous with boring. Are you hearing me? But here's what generally happens. 
Many times people come to a church when they're desperate. They come to a church when they're hurting. They come to a church when there's lots of need in their life, which is great. If, you're, if you came here this morning and that's true, you're at the right place. But let me just tell you something about the way the kingdom of God works. The Bible says this. Help, you guys finish this sentence for me. Finish the verse. Freely you have received. Freely. Let's say it again. Freely you have received. Freely give. If you have freely received and you are not giving, you will start to die. I, I like to call it like spiritual constipation. If you eat every day and you don't give it away. Now some of you are relating to me. Don't raise your hand, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's nothing worse than being spiritually bloated. All right? Because we were made to receive, give it away. Receive, give it away. That's probably a bad illustration because the things we're receiving from God and we're giving away are precious things, all right? That was a bad illustration. Lord, forgive me for that illustration. But you, uh, you get the point. This is where multiplying leaders comes into. And I want you to hear, sometimes people hear the word leader and they freak out. Oh, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I'm at the wrong church. No, you're at the right church. Here, check this out. If you will come and receive and stay fresh and grow, and then you have a posture where you want to love people and serve people. How I many you know loving and serving are two biblical metaphors for leading? Because that's how God's people lead. They lead by loving. They lead by serving. How many of you can serve somebody? Wave at me. How many of you can love somebody? Great. Then you're, po- you're poised to be a leader in the kingdom of God. Now, there's all different ways we lead, and there's all different ways we serve. But here's the point. This church, I'm, I'm backing up. All right. Our vision for this church is not to see how many heads we can get under one roof. All right? Aren't you grateful for that? That's not the goal. That's not the win. We're going to get into that a couple weeks down the road. Our vision is to multiply what God's doing in this place all over the world. In our own neighborhood, in our own state, in our own region. How many of you know in the nations of the world? What we're doing with Livingstones, Cambodia. Uh, I could envision living stones all over, fill in the blank. In other words, we're not about just seeing how many people we can fit under a roof at one location. We're about raising up people who are moving in the fullness of what God has called them to do. So check this out. If we're doing this right, our job is to come alongside of you, help you get free, help you encounter God, help you discover who you are and how God's made you, and then release you to do it whether it's under this roof or whether it's somewhere else in the world. In other words, when we sent out our young people last week, and by the way, they, they made it safely to Cambodia, praise the Lord. Yeah. But, uh, but, oh, amen. You know, Brent, you got a daughter. Lily. Oh, man, we love Lily. We just sent Lily overseas. Andrew was like, don't send Lily. I got jobs for her to do around this place. Brent and Jocelyn, you know, don't send Lily. We love Lily. She's such a precious daughter. But when you... See people move into God's call in their life, you realize that our job is not to see how many we can just keep here in our family. Sometimes it hurts because you have to release and bless people to go do what God's called them to do. But that's part of our win because it's all about his kingdom. It's all about uh, seeing his kingdom expand and his agenda accomplished, not our own. And so this is our mission, growing people, multiplying leaders. That's what we're going to be really serious about. Everything that we do has those two things in mind. Grow you, multiply you. Amen? So that's where we're headed. Now, let me, this, this message this morning is going to be brief and to the point, but how many of you know some of the most profound things are the most simple? Some of the most profound things are the most simple. I want to give you four shifts that need to happen in each of our hearts today to move into that vision that I am going to be unfolding for you over the next few weeks. Four critical shifts that need to happen in our hearts and in our minds if we're going to be the kind of people that God's called us to be. First one, number one, I am not the hero, and it's not about me. Read that with me again. Say it, say it for yourself. I am not the hero, it's not about me. That seems so simple, but how many of you know at the end of the day, for many of us, it's still all about us? And this is by design, by our fallen design, from the moment you're born, I'm looking over there, Lauren had little, little Liam this morning. From the moment that kid comes out of the womb, we, 
he is conditioned to think that all of reality centers around him. When he's hungry, what does he do? I mean, when, when you put him to bed at night, he wakes up at 3 in the morning. What does he do? I mean, it's like, you serve me and serve me now. And then, if we're not careful and we're raising our children, they still think they're the center of the world. And then when they get to be teenagers, sometimes you have to give them a speech like my mother gave me when I was a teenager. Y'all remember my cute little mom. Mom, stand up. I got to see you. Stand up. Yeah, because you're so cute. Stand up. Come on. Give on. Look it. All right. Isn't she cute? Look how tiny she is. She's so sweet, she wouldn't, she wouldn't hurt a flea. But I was a self-absorbed teenager. I know that you've never been there. There's probably no self-absorbed teenagers in this place. But she was being the permanent taxi cab driver, taking me everywhere. And unbelievably, I can't imagine this, but I must have not communicated my incredible gratitude for her service in my life. And so I remember sitting in the front seat of the car, driving home from Lake Central High School. And my mother looked over at me, and preached the shortest sermon I've ever heard, but I have never forgotten it. She said these powerful words to me. This sweet little lady right here said these words. In love. In love. She said, one of these days, you're going to realize this world does not revolve around you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was stunned. I thought she was a godly woman. I thought she... I thought she was full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, she was. The problem was I wasn't full of the Holy Spirit. And the problem is many people, they claim to be lovers of Jesus. It's still about us. And sometimes we need some more mature people in our lives to kind of sit us down and say, you know, this kind of sounds like it's still about you. Because isn't the most fundamental definition of being a follower of Jesus is it stops being about us and it starts being about him. It stops being about my life, my future, my success, my job, my income, my happiness, my, 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 my. It starts becoming about him and his happiness and his glory and what pleases him. I mean, isn't this basic stuff? But how is it that we get so out of whack sometimes? Even when we do good things, you know, we can do good things in church, you know. We got people that give large sums of money. And, uh, and, you know, it's just really nice when people say, hey, we just want to thank brother or sister so-and-so for that wonderful donation for missions. And, you know, you gave it, you know, you gave it for the Lord, but, boy, it sure felt good when people publicly praised you about it. And the reason you know that there's still a little bit of you in there is when they don't publicly praise you. Or how about, I've heard it said like this, you know you're a servant when you're treated like one. Meaning... Servants just do and serve, and they're behind the scenes, and they're not looking for a pat on the back. But isn't it amazing how we, we don't, we're still this, that little itch inside of us, and please don't hear me wrong. We, I want this to be a place where people are celebrated. You just saw that last week, right? I mean, we were running around handing books out to people, telling them how much we appreciate them. That wasn't, a, that wasn't an exercise uh, uh, trick or something. That's our culture. We love people. We want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate what God's doing. But at the end of the day, isn't it just a subtle thing when we move over from just wanting to bless somebody, just wanting to do it for the Lord to uh, give me a little bit of glory, give me a little bit of, of, of kudos on what I just did. Please let me know that you recognize. Make me feel good. It's still all about us. And here's the sad thing, too, even when we get to church. How many of you believe Jesus is a healer? How many of you believe Jesus is a deliverer? How many of you know Jesus forgives us of our sins? Jesus provides for our needs. Come on. All those things are true, but check out what happens if we hear that over and over and over again every single week. You begin to think that, check this out, God's reason for existence is me. God exists to serve me. God exists to bless me. God exists to prosper me. Now, please hear me. All those things are true. All those things are true. But isn't it subtle? And here's how you know that it's subtle. When you pray that prayer and you ask God to do whatever, and he doesn't jump and do it in your time. And then you're like, oh, where's God? Where's God? As if he, he you're, you're asking where the foundation of reality is when you exist because of him? 
Not the other way around. Like, well, I'm just not sure if I believe in God. Well, aren't you special? You are a moron. Well, I'm just not so sure if I believe. You wouldn't even be able to say that with the breath that God gave you, with the brain that God created, which is stunning. You couldn't even utter that stupidity apart from God. It takes God to be God stupid, if that makes sense. We somehow get this thing turned upside down, and we forget that the whole reason we're saved is because we're no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for him. Amen. He exists. He, we exist for him. He doesn't exist for me. Yes. This is so subtle, but so huge. And so you start living with a little bit different perspective in life. Look at what Galatians chapter 2 says. Reading from the message paraphrase, I, I just love the colorful language. I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. <laughs> oh, that is so good. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you. Or have your good opinion. In other words, I'm not living to please people. I'm not living for the pleasure of people. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. And the life you see me living is not mine. But it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I spent many years being a youth pastor. And, of course, when you're young and you got your whole life ahead of you and you got some old guy on the stage, right, Julia, that's telling you, hey, you know, submit your life to God. Give your life to the Lord. I'd hear this from, from young people. Well, you know, I just want to live my life. And I, you know what they're basically saying? I just want to do it my way. I just, I just want to pursue my dreams. I just want to pursue my goals. And I want to do it in my way. And then when I'm old like you, and at the time, you know, when you're like 26, and they're saying that to you, you know, when I'm old like you, then maybe I'll give my life to Christ. What, a, what an illusion. What a... What a deception. The Bible says your life is not yours. Look at that. The life you see me living is not mine. What do little kids say all the time? Mine, mine, playing with my toy, mine. And you can just imagine the Lord going, oh my God, this is terrible. Because what do we do with our lives? It's mine. You can't have it. You can't touch that area. But let me just boil it down again, be as simple as I possibly can be. You can't claim to be a follower of Christ if you still say mine. I mean, we're just deceived. You can sit in church and look good and wear the t-shirt, but listen, if you still say mine, you haven't taken the first step in what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means to die to yourself. It means the world doesn't revolve around you. It means you're not the center of the universe, which leads me to my second point, self-focus is a dead-end street. We live in the most self-absorbed culture, perhaps in the history of history, all right? American culture right now, incredibly self-absorbed. It's interesting that the self-care business, including self-actualization, self-help books, uh, self-care products, everything that's marketed toward you. Ready for this? $10 billion a year industry. $10 billion a year focusing on writing books and creating products that help you be the center of your universe. And how many of you figured out, if you've ever tried to figure out who you are and what you're called to do, and if you've ever just pursued, I'm, I'm just sick of it, I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to be happy. Anybody ever get frustrated and say that? Forget the marriage, forget my kids, forget my job, forget, the, forget God, I'm just going to be happy. I'll pull a Dr. Phil on you all now. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? Because listen to what the Word of God says, Romans 8, 6. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious and free life. Check this out. The more self-focused you become, the more introverted you become, yet the more your, little, your whole universe revolves around you and your happiness, the more tiny of a world that you live in. But the Bible says the more you live for God and place your attention on God, listen to what it says there, he brings us out into the open, into a spacious, wide open free life. 
Isn't it interesting that some of the most wealthy, self-centered, selfie-taken Hollywood movie stars are some of the most miserable people on planet Earth? Why? Because their universe is so tiny. They're the center of it. But when you die and when you open your life to God Almighty and you follow Him, God brings you into a spacious free life that's big and full and rich because it's not about you. It's all about Him and all about what He's done. Self-focus is a dead-end street. Now, again, I've talked about this before, but I want to mention it again. There are people in this world that spend big money. They go off to psychiatrists. They go off to college. They take philosophy courses. What are they on a quest for? I'm trying to discover me. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to get a philosophical question with you here. If you didn't create you, and you have no responsibility for you even being here, how are you supposed to look into yourself and determine who you are and what God's called you to do with your life? How are you supposed to self-discover your purpose when you aren't even responsible for being here? It's kind of a good question, isn't it? How do we ever hope to look inside and find ourselves? You'll never look inside and find yourself. We hear a lot of people talk about, you just need to be true to you. Just be you. Just be yourself. Just do what you feel in your heart is the right thing to do. You are going to be screwed up. I am scared of myself. I'm going to say that again. I am scared of being left to myself. I know what myself is made of. I will never, ever, 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 ever hope to discover why I'm here by myself. I have to have somebody outside of me who's smarter than me and who's responsible for my very existence to define and help guide me on the quest for becoming the true me. Because there's only one person, listen, there's only one person in the whole cosmos who knows the true you. It's your creator. So young people, hear me. Some of you are in here, you're you know, 18 and under, you're in that stage. You know, There's nothing f- that freaks you out more than graduating high school and you're being cast out into the open, spacious world called life, you know, and you're, people are asking you, so what's the next step? What are you going to do with your life? And if you're honest, I see some of you laughing, if you're honest, underneath the smile, you're going, I don't have a clue. And I'm really irritated that you would ask me such a profound question when I don't have the foggiest idea. Now, some of you are saying, I'm not 18, I'm 48, and I'm still asking that question. I get it, I get it. I get it, Totally. But here's what I would say, and if you're a teenager or you're a grown adult like myself, this is what I would say. The best way to figure out your purpose is to keep pursuing God and keep pursuing his presence in your life and keep submitting your heart to him, keep seeking him. I had a young gal that came up after church today. She said, I got all these major decisions in my life and I'm not sure what to do. What should I do? I said, why are you asking me? How many of you know I'm not called to be anybody's savior in this room? And neither are you. Why do I want to usurp the unique role that fathers have with their kids in providing some direction and guidance and encouragement? In other words, you need to go to God and get that answer. Sometimes we're just a little too quick in trying to provide people with helpful advice when God's trying to get them to himself so he can give them the best advice. You, You can't go through life. God never... God set up life to keep you on a short leash and to keep me on a short leash. You'll never be able to get the answers you need apart from God, which means you have got to develop a relationship with Him. And that begins with surrender. You can't discover yourself by looking in yourself. You didn't create yourself. You've got to go to God. Point number three, very quickly here. You exist for God. Now, this sounds so Christianese, but I've got to say it again and listen with both ears. You exist for God. I'm going to say it in a philosophical way. The ontological basis for your existence is for the glory and pleasure of your king and creator. It's not about you. Look at uh, Colossians 1.16. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. God started in him. And finds its purpose in Him. We exist by His purpose. We exist 
for His purpose. We were made by God. We were made for God. Romans 12.3, let's look at this. This is a great one. The only accurate way to understand ourselves. How do we know ourselves? Here's how. By what God is and by what God does. Not by what we are and by what we do for Him. Can I just tell you something with all this gender confusion stuff going on today? Listen to me. Your gender is a gift from God. Your rejection of your gender is fundamentally rebellion against your creator. God made you. He made you a woman. He made you a man. It's part of how he made you. Our job is to receive who we are and let him define who we are. We don't define ourselves. We don't make up whatever about ourselves. He defines ourselves. Well, why does he get to do that? Because he's God. Because he's smart. Because he made you. Because you exist in his image and likeness and you exist for his glory. That's the job responsibility God has. It's not my responsibility. My job is to know him. Notice this. The only accurate way I can understand me is by knowing who God is. If I am made, people will say to my son Ronnie, hey man, you look just like your dad. You look just like your dad. Uh, that's because Marion and I made him with God's help, but we made him. We don't know how all that happened with the g- genetic stuff. It's beyond my understanding, but we came together, husband and wife, and out came Ronnie, and he looks like me. It's amazing how that happens. Guess what? We're born again. God brought forth a new life in you. The reason you look like God is because you're born again with the seed of God. That's what new birth is all about. You're made to look like God and act like God. You'll never know who you are apart from your dad. And you'll only get to know the depth of who you are by spending time with him. That's what the Bible says. We, if you start with self as the ultimate, as your starting place, you're never going to discover the answers to the deepest questions in life. Last point I want to leave you with this morning. Point number four, you find your purpose in Jesus Christ. Look at what Jesus did with the disciples here in Matthew 16. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. This is what he said to them. He goes, guys, listen to me. Anybody who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Now, can I just pause that right there? Sometimes we get people born again the wrong way because we sell Jesus as a solution. Most people don't want to go to hell if you're smart. And most people would like some problems that are causing such incredible pain in your life healed. Am I talking to the right crowd? And that's all that Jesus offers to us. But here's where we get into a problem. Jesus also says more stuff like that. And when he preached like this stuff, people left him. Because look at what he said. If you want to come with me, I'm the leader, not you. Everybody take a gulp there. Look what else he says. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Show you how to do what? How to embrace suffering. We don't preach this part. But that's what Jesus says. Now, I I had a confession this morning. Don't let it out of this church. Just keep it in the church. But I confess that my wife is actually a safer driver than me. I don't like it. I don't like to acknowledge it. I don't like it when she's seated next to me when I'm driving. Because I know I'm going to stop, but she doesn't. I know that I saw that car, but she doesn't. Because she does these histrionic motions next to me, you know. <laughs> Y'all know about the, the invisible, the invisible brake? <laughs> or when I turn the corner, she just, out of instinct, grabs I'm turning, turn signal, turn signal, other way, she's ambidextrous, she can do it either way, and, uh, and sometimes she'd be like, honey, honey, I'm like, what, and sometimes, thank God she said it, because I, I don't know why she's saying, honey, I was going to run into somebody, or car, and go off the ditch, I don't know, but she's, honey, honey, I'm, what, 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 and sometimes I'm like, what, I saw it, 
but I'm grateful for the times I didn't see it. And all those times she wears out the front. It's like, it's like you know what? I know I'm going to stop. I stop slower than you. I stop closer than you. But I, this is also my confession. I have more fun driving than she does. I guarantee you I have more fun driving. And if I'm driving home from Texas, like I did to pick up Katie, I know we're going to get there in an efficient amount of time. I'm just telling you that. Um, but what I don't like is a car full of people who are questioning my driving. Can I get any amens? Can I, get, you know, I know there are men here. I hope, I hope it was not you, or maybe it's women. But sometimes you're just driving. Honey, watch this. Honey, go there. Honey, turn here. Honey, watch that. Put it in park. You drive. I'm done. Now, don't ever do that. All right? I'm just telling you, that, that will not go over very well. All right? Your wife slithers out of the car and walks around in shame because you're like, you just drive. All right? But I want you to picture how this looks from a kingdom perspective. We give our lives to Christ. He's behind the wheel. We're like right next to him. Hey, did you see that? Whoa. Hey, we're grabbing on. Yeah. And he's like, I'm God. I made cars. I know how to drive better than you. How many people are freaking out about all this stuff going on in their lives? And the Lord's like, I got it. Are we going to get there? Are we gonna? You know, you go on this vacation, right? Tell my kids, kids, I'm your dad. <laughs> You're so blessed. All right. I, uh, I planned this great family vacation. You don't have to worry about any of the bills. I'm paying for it all. I'm taking you to the great place. It's going to be so much fun. It's beautiful. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to go out to eat. I got it covered. We're going to drive there. I know how to get there. Takes gas in the car. <laughs> got it. Got it covered. All you guys got to do is chill out. Look out the window. Look at the beautiful scenery as we drive through Indiana. Cornfields down there. Enjoy the beautiful scenery. Don't hit each other. Touch each other. Do anything else to each other. And you're not backing out of the driveway. Hey, are we there? How long, how long is it going to be? Some of you, this is how your week was spent with God. God's like, I know your life, the beginning from the end. I promise to meet all your needs. I'm taking you on this amazing journey called the kingdom of God. I'm inviting you to partner with me to be a hero maker. It's going to be awesome. I just want you to come along for the ride. But here's the, here's, here's the agreement. I'm driving. And you're not. And I don't want you to second guess me the whole way. I don't want you to keep asking me, are we there yet? When I promise you, I will bring you to the destination. And we will be there on time. We will not be late. You can trust me. God says, but you can't even get in my car and do acknowledge that you are mine. And I am the driver. And you're not. Now, let's just connect some dots here. Has anybody ever felt financial pressures? What do you do? How do you respond? I hope you come and you say, God, my life belongs to you. My family belongs to you. My job was provided by you. Lord, I trust that you are faithful to meet the needs of my family. I believe you. Have you ever had your children... You know, where they've made poor choices or something and you're concerned over their well-being. But I remember, this is what I do with my wife. Lord, I remember that day at Livingstone's Church when we dedicated our children to the Lord. Anybody remember those days? It wasn't just so you can get a cute little baby t-shirt. We like t-shirts around here. It wasn't a religious ceremony. It was a tangible, real-life moment before God the Creator where you acknowledge that your children do not belong to you. And you gave them to God. You know, I love the Lord, but then when He allowed such and such to happen to one of my kids, you know, I just said, that's enough. They're not your kids. They're His kids. Let Him do what He wants to do with your kids that have been dedicated to Him that He gave you in the first place. And stop being someone who keeps taking them back off the altar. 
every time you give them. Release them to the Lord. So I just start prophesying over my kids. Thank you, God. Yeah, I'm called to be their dad. I'm called to lead. I'm called to love. I'm called to serve. I'm called to discipline. But in the end, you blessed me with these children. I have given them back to you. You're in the driver's seat. I'm not in the driver's seat. God's leading my children down the path that he has for their life. And I'm trusting him with the outcome. I'm not going to sit back and second guess the driver. I'm just, I'm just connecting some dots for you. Either we live in a place, you know what's cool about being in the back seat on vacation when your parents are driving? You don't have a care in the stinking world. You know what's nice when you let the creator of the universe drive and you're in the back seat? You don't have a care in the world. This is called walking in faith. It's called living in the realm of God's presence. It's called realizing I'm not in charge. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to be the wave the magic wand. I'm not God. I need to let God be the center and not me. I live for him. He doesn't live for me. So, Lord, what are you doing? How are you going to handle this situation? What's going on? I'll just tell you something else. This is the greatest thing. I'm going to sit down right now because I'm just going to relax. Ready for this? This is not Ron Johnson's church. I will slap you if you ever say that. I'm kidding. You know why, though? Because this is Jesus' church. This isn't any pastor's church or any power brokers in the church. This is Jesus' church. And I'm glad for that because, you know what, sometimes we have challenges. Sometimes we deal with situations. Sometimes we deal with hard things. But you know what I keep going back to? (laughs) Lord, be glorified in your church. Lord, accomplish your agenda with these awesome people that you bless us with. God, make a great name for yourself. But don't ever go to Pastor Ron Jr.'s church because you'll never find that church anywhere. I just tell you, we are part of living stones. We are part of something God raised up sovereignly and supernaturally. We have an amazing vision here to grow people, multiply leaders, to reach nations. We have a vision here to do that. And we get to all come together with Jesus as our senior leader and follow him as he leads us into that vision. So, uh, Pastor, Pastor, how are we going to pay off the new edition? My dad's got it all under control. <laughs> Hallelujah. How are we going to meet this need? Daddy's taking care of it. Dad's taking care of it. We're not sweating it. Yes, we bring those needs to the Lord. Yes, we honor him. Yes, we seek him. Yes, we have faith. But at the end of the day, chill out, people. You died. Your life has been crucified with Jesus. Your new life that you live is not your own. He's living his supernatural life through you. That's what it's called to live the Christian life. It's amazing. It's awesome. Last verse. Check this out. Ephesians 1.11. In Christ... We find out who we are and what we're living for. Isn't that good? In Christ, we find out who we are and what we're living for. Three last points. My identity comes from Christ. My purpose on this life existed before I was even conceived in my mother's womb. It was in the heart and mind of God. And thirdly, this is important. My individual purpose is part of God's larger purpose. And here's what I want you to see. And I'll end here. God's trying to get us aligned in a sense where we give, give ourselves away and we say, Lord, I'm existing for you. Use me. How is God going to use us? He's going to use us to be a hero maker. What does that mean? It means I'm going to come alongside of Chris. Check this out. Everything God's put inside of me, uh, whatever he's blessed me with, is available to my sister. How do I help you? What can I do? How can I lift you up? How can I push you higher than me? What do we do with the next generation? Did you all notice last five weeks I preached one time? Why did I preach one time? Because I had five of my spiritual sons preaching. Why did I have five spiritual sons preaching? Because I'm going to die someday. And guess what? The church doesn't die. The church keeps going on and on. In fact, the church doesn't die. The church doesn't even grow by addition. The church multiplies. So what do we spend our time doing? You know, Chris leads our intercessory ministry. Thank God for her. Thank God for, uh, for her carrying the, the banner in prayer. But, and I've challenged Chris with this before, and she does a great job. Chris, you have to raise up a bunch of people that carry the anointing that you have, not just for here, but for other places. Why do we just send that team off? Because there's 70 unreached nations that are waiting to hear about Jesus Christ. We have a mandate. Well, pastor, isn't that scary? Isn't that dangerous? Are those issues? 
I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. The life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you kidding me? We were not called to the love boat. We were called to a battleship. We're called to reach a lost world. Of course it's going to be challenging. Jesus said to embrace suffering. He said, listen to this, Jesus said you'd find more identity and pleasure in life in suffering than you would in pleasure. Whoa. Jesus said you'd find yourself when you gave yourself away instead of trying to define yourself with all self-care and self-help, self-actualization. Jesus said you'll truly find yourself when you give your life away. So here's my challenge to you all this morning. As we start moving into growing people, do you see yourself as a people grower? You can say, yeah, you should. Are you a people grower? Yes, you are. You're called to love people to life. But pastor, I'm dealing with my own wounds. That's okay. You'll find that you'll get more healed when you start giving away, even when you're still hurting. I love the way Pastor Brock ended last week with that little video. Oh, man. There are people in this room that are going through devastating things that make your current situation look like nothing. There are people in this world that are going through so much suffering. It doesn't minimize my suffering, but it just puts me in perspective. And I realize I'm so blessed. We are so blessed. This church is so blessed. We've been well-loved. We've been cared for. We've been taught so well. We've had people that have pulled us out of ditches. We've had people that stood with us, that forgave us. And I'm just telling you, it's not for me, and it's not for you. It's to give it away to somebody else. If you'll give it away, God will give you more. If you'll love greater, your capacity to love will expand. If you die to yourself, you'll get more of Jesus. If you let him drive, you'll get there faster, you'll get there better, you'll get there safer, or you can just keep trying to do it yourself. If you live to build your own empire, your own kingdom, and pursue your own happiness, at the end of life, you'll be miserable and you'll be alone. But if you give your life away and you invest in other people, you'll have more friends than you could ever enjoy, and you will have made a bigger impact than you could ever imagine. The crazy thing is when we move the shift from me being the hero, from you being the hero, to us being hero makers, investing our lives in somebody else's success, being committed to somebody else's success, in the kingdom, and you give your life away, you find at the end of your life that when you go to your eternal uh, reward that you become a hero because Christ in you just impacted so many people. God is after a movement. He's not wanting us to grow by addition. God is wanting to multiply. God is wanting a movement across this nation and the nations of the world. We are going to have the privilege to not just not just look at our scorecard. You know, imagine this, back to the basketball illustration. What if we changed our scorecard of what success was, and what if success was not taking the winning shot? What if success was me passing the ball to Kenny, and Kenny takes the winning shot, and then I am over here along with all of you saying, great job, man, great job. Now you made the winning shot, and now pass it to your son. Let him make some winning shots. And, and our joy in life is watching people rise higher and higher with the Lord. Our joy in life is watching broken people being pulled out of their brokenness. Our joy in life is watching, me sitting there watching kids that lived in my basement preaching like crazy and watching my own son, my own flesh and blood, doing what he's doing. Somebody say, oh, pastor, you have to be proud. Oh, it exceeds earthly pride. It is the joy of knowing that the people that come in contact with you get impacted for eternity and become who they were meant to be and get pulled out of all their weakness and shame and brokenness and guilt and pain and addiction and, and actually begin to soar and begin to do things and find confidence in God and begin to use their gifts and you begin to look at them like, who are you? Come on, who are you? And every single one of our ministries in this place, it is not about the ministry leader being the hero. It's about the ministry leader seeing how many people can be raised up and you're going to be doing exactly what I'm doing someday, only better by the grace of God. Amen. I tell my kids this with relationships. I said, look, and, you, and I pray to God you can say this. Then they see that I'm crazy about my wife. 35 years, we're, we're going to be celebrating marriage. 35 years this year, I'm crazy about my wife. Yeah. And uh, to the glory of God. 
But here's what I can say to my kids. I want you to have a marriage like your mother and I. And if you'll trust me that I know a few things, I can help guide you through this messy process sometimes of relationships. But I want you to know my end result is that you are experiencing the joy and satisfaction that I am experiencing right now. Can you trust me as your dad? Can you let me lead you? This is exactly what happens in every area of ministry. Can you trust that we have your best interest in mind? We're not going to quit on you. We're not going to stop. We're going to love you. We'll do whatever we can to pour into you. And we want to know who you are, the unique gifts God's put within you. We want to see you grow like crazy. And we want to see you step on your own two feet and begin to release what God's put in your heart to bless a whole generation that's waiting to hear for the first time. That is what success means in the kingdom of God. Not taking the shot dishing it off to somebody else letting them make the shot for the first time and experiencing what it is to experience some success in the kingdom and then keep it going and keep it going what at the end of the day what are we we're, we're kingdom coaches we're helping people be all that they were called to be and believing that the end result again is lots of churches planted we have we have living stones cambodia i want to see i want to see churches that we either plant directly or help others plant all over the nations of the world wouldn't that be cool i I already got the vision for that t-shirt man that's gonna be sweet all right you can get that one for free too anyway um but that's the vision to see it multiply not just abroad but even right here in our own backyard And that's the call that some of you have on your life. But we're all together. We're going to grow people. We're going to multiply leaders. And we're going to do it for the glory of God because it's not about me. It's not about you. He's driving. We're not. It's going to be an amazing ride. Anybody anybody with me on this ride? All right. Bow your head with me. Go ahead. Stand your feet. Hallelujah. Stand your feet. I want to bless you. Don't forget, um, we're leaving here today. We got life group leaders out there. We had a meet and greet out there. If you're brand new, we'd love to connect with you. Connect with the Life Group Leaders Marriage Class at 4 o'clock. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just yield ourselves. If you're with me, just say amen. You're going to give yourself away. Jesus is leading you. It's not about you. Submit your heart to him. Let him call the shots. Let him drive. Let him take us somewhere that's going to be supernatural and awesome. God, we trust you for all that. Be glorified, Lord. You exist. You're real. You're the one in charge. Lord, we exist for you, so use us for your glory. God, raise up a house full of amazing, growing, and healthy people. God, multiply the leaders in this place so we can take the the new wine of your spirit all around the nations of the world. And God, do it all for your great name, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Love on somebody this week.